two pillars of Swedenborg's revelation are the inner meaning of the Bible and the reality and immediacy of life after death. Both reflect the call we each have to develop a personal relationship with God. But how? The characters in the Bible can help. This week, Inside Off the Left Eye, we dig into the dynamic between characters in the Bible being historical, certain ones anyway, versus symbolic. We've long had it in mind to make a show on the topic, and now we're plunging in. With the help of Dr. Jonathan Rose, we explore how angels understand the Bible and dip into Swedenborg's exchange with the German philosopher Ettinger, who wanted to know which people from the Bible Swedenborg had met. From the cutting floor, off the left eye shows that never were made. Hey, Curtis. Hey, nothing gives me greater pleasure than to give these shows another shot at it. It's got all the elements of it's a redemption story. It's also a love story. We love these shows and we're going to give them what we always wanted to, a life of their own. Yes. And so as I went on my excavation expedition, I was, you know, wading around in the dark and dusty legacy folders on our virtual archives and on a lonely old document of topic brainstorms from the past sits this idea, and I quote, Bible characters as parts of ourselves, rather than focusing on the historical person, unquote. So there it is. Just think of like what, what sort of civilization that person lived in <laughs> and what their worldview must have been like, knowing only stone tools. Oh, man. Okay. But exactly. I see such, you know, potential in that little thing. And yeah, it's an ember. It still has its glow. And so here we are. We're going to blow on it, bring it to flame. And this idea, though, Bible characters as parts of ourselves, rather than focusing on the historical person, that's something that it's not just a vague idea of like, oh, yeah, you know, protect. like it's not just sort of working out your own sort of who is that person in my dream, Swedenborg gets so specific. They sort of serve these core, like necessary functions in the in the spiritual narrative that's being told and this truth that's being woven through the stories in the Bible. So it's it really is a fascinating concept. So I'm excited to explore it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like Swedenborg's thesis. This is not, hey, there's a fun kind of parlor game you can play to get more value out of the Bible. (laughs) Yep. This is what it's the secrets of heaven we're all about. That's actually the the real way to read the Bible is to map it. It's it's designed to map on to you. Yeah. And so in in effect too, you know, that thesis of Swedenborg's has shown up in a in a lot of our shows. Uh any any show that tells any Bible story, you're gonna hear us talking about what this person or that person corresponds to, but we've we've never really given a show directly to this idea in and of itself, you know, having this be the focus. Um, And, but now it might have its day. So here is one thing that Swedenborg says about this idea. And one of the main things is he says how the names, you know, of these people don't mean, don't even mean those people, but they mean ideas. And 
But then even he goes so far as to say that the characters, they mean they might have this correspondence to something, but they actually are puzzle pieces of us, like different parts of ourselves. And so here's a quote, Secrets of Heaven 5095, where he writes, where the narrative level mentions a number of people in this case, and so he's writing in this part of Secrets of Heaven, Joseph, Pharaoh, the chief of the bodyguards, the cupbearer, and the baker, on an inner level, they certainly symbolize various attributes, but only within a single individual. The reason is that names symbolize qualities. So I love that there's just so much in there about how you can't have Joseph and sort of look at Joseph in a vacuum. Joseph is a particular part of this bigger system that involves Pharaoh and the cupbearer and all those other pieces of the people who are there. And it forces it to be a regenerative personal journey because you can't say, oh, well, that you're a Joseph and I'm a Pharaoh or, yeah, or right, the reverse. Right, right. Because this is something, it's just like, it's like an anatomy textbook. It's talking about kidneys and livers and lungs. This is something that everybody's got a part of. And it's really great to hear him assert that so clearly because yeah. personally the the historical side of the Bible can drive me nuts. <laughs> yes. Because I it's how is this doing anything for me? I am disturbed by these storylines. I am disturbed by these plots. It just doesn't, it, it, what, where's the divinity in it? As Swedenborg sort of, uh, you know, puts forward as a as a hypothetical person reading the Bible, I, I experience that same thing. But when you think, okay, this is this really complex fable that is illustrating these parts of you, some of which you realize you have, a lot of which you don't, that, okay, that sounds more divine to me. Yeah. And like, it's given me this crazy image of, you know, you have the whole Bible, that text, yeah, all of those people that are represented in there, it, that Bible ends up being a picture of a single human being, you know, but we could, that we can see ourselves in, but that also that that human being is like the single individual is the Lord, you know, the divine human one. That's that's the container of all of those stories. Yeah, the human being really travels because Swedenborg talks about, obviously we're humans, but he talks about communities functioning like humans mm -hmm. and the Lord being human and even all the things of nature in its three kingdoms reflecting whatever this thing is he called. So if the Bible is explaining the human thing, yeah. that's very applicable to everything. Yeah, that's very cool. And so I was thinking like one of our shows that does exist out there, if people are interested in this idea and want, are just super hungry for a video about it, is we did our show on the psychology of Jesus, where that was taking these characters and stories in the Old Testament and literally mapping how their, what they correspond to is, you know, gives us a map of the process that Jesus was going through in his early development. Um, and that's just a taste of it. So another layer to all of this, which is a fascinating element that I think we'd probably bring into any show we might do on this, is that 
this knowledge of knowing exactly what the people correspond to and how they fit into that human story, uh, that's how the angels read the word. So, wow, yeah, yeah, that's what they're. That's how angels just imbibe, you know, sacred text is on that inner level. And uh, Swedenborg writes about it in this number in Secrets of Heaven, eighteen seventy six. He writes, "Hey, where did you?" Uh, did we have these in the brainstorm or have you done some research in the interim? Oh, I did a little research in the interim. Aha. He writes, uh, angels do not hold on to the slightest mental image of people in the word, so they do not retain the least idea of their names. What Abram is, what Isaac and Jacob are, they no longer know. It is the qualities represented and symbolized by figures in the word that form an angel's picture. Names and words are like chaff or scales that drop off when the ideas enter heaven. This shows that names in the word have no meaning besides a symbolic one. I have spoken about this many times with angels, and they have taught me the truth very fully. Which makes me think of the, our spirit stories where we've learned a lot from angels. You know, those conversations that Swedenborg had yeah. with angels. They really be careful asking them questions because they'll really hit you with it. Yeah, that's right. So he says, names in the word have no meaning besides a symbolic one. And I think that's quite a statement. And But when you do go looking around, when you dig around in Swedenborg's works, I am fascinated by the fact that like, okay, names are symbolic, names are symbolic, but what you're going to run into is Swedenborg saying, I met so-and-so in the spiritual world, you know, <laughs> this character from the Bible and this character from the Bible. And he actually has, you know, a number of interactions with historical characters uh, from the Bible. So it's not to say that, I mean, some characters in the Bible are, he Swedenborg writes, are just purely symbolic. Um you know, like Adam and Eve, he doesn't think he, you're not going to meet, you might meet communities of angels, you know, who, who, who are connected with what Adam and Eve correspond to in the, in the Bible. But, but then it's like, oh, well, he met Mary, you know, or there are other people that he did meet in the Bible that, uh, that he says, you know, were historical persons. They're real, like they, they could be real people, but those, whoever those people were that were, the people that took those actions that were recorded in the Bible, they're not what the Bible's about. Um, mm -hmm. Whoever the the lead actor is in, let's say, Hamilton, that's not yeah. what Hamilton is about. It's about, you know, whatever, some American history or something. Right. So you you have the angels, yeah, they they don't know who who Moses was. They, they They don't have that in their mind. So even though for some reason, the way the Lord is orchestrating it, the the Bible wasn't just pulled out of thin air. Some pieces of it were. Other pieces were an actual description of events that Swedenborg asserts did take place. But yeah. uh, it doesn't actually mean that the people that were running around and doing that stuff were sacred, but the role, the representation that they played was. And that's really what he talks about mm -hmm. with all of um, of ritual worship, in particular, the, the, the core churches that ca carried this symbolic importance right. with them. Yep. They were all doing this stuff, and it 
even if the people doing it didn't really care about the love that it was supposed to represent or understand it, it still did it somehow. With what you're saying, Swedenborg leaves this window open between the, uh, you know, the historical people, the the fact that some of these stories really happened with people on the ground. And then, okay, some of the stories are are myths, you know, that that were passed on to people as containers for spiritual messages and stuff. And something that I find fascinating is how Swedenborg, from Swedenborg's time to our time, the whole world exploded in terms of biblical scholarship. You know, like this whole question of what really is historical in the Bible and what isn't. But even so, even with that sort of blurry gray area, uh, Swedenborg kind of gives us a way out. And I don't know anything about where the, this is going to shock everyone, but I don't know where the current biblical scholarship is on this stuff. <laughs> but I do know that you reading about Joshua, what's happening in you when you're sitting there reading about Joshua is the point of the Bible. It's not really about the person who was Joshua or even what happened in the stories with him, if they did happen, those battles and things. What it's about is what happens with you when you're reading it, because that's the Lord interacting with you, which is the reason the Bible was created. Wow. But I think you've said it. Like that, I think, would have to be sort of the thesis of our show, is like your experience with Joshua is what matters. I can see t-shirts. Yeah, there you go. Your experience with Joshua (laughs) is what matters. (laughs) Off the left eye. Yeah. Well... I feel like to really do this topic justice, though, I think we need to wade a bit deeper into Swedenborg's own experiences of, you know, the people that he met in the spiritual world. Like, we'd really want to kind of tell that story for people. And, you know, I don't know, there just might be a lot in there that we that we don't even know what we're going to find, don't you think? But how how could we possibly do that? We will go ask Dr. Jonathan Rose. Yeah. All right, let's go march down the hall and break down his door. Okay, I'm going to tie my shoes real quick. Okay. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, Jonathan. Oh, hi. Who is it? (laughs) Just Curtis and Just say Chelsea. Okay. (laughs) Just me. Oh, nice. He's just, <laughs> don't mind this plant behind me. Um, nice to see Why aren't you returning my phone calls? <laughs> so, just your usual weekly visit from Curtis and Chelsea to come pick your brain about scholarship of Swedenborg's works and his experiences because you are in this office all day, every day, <laughs> studying at working on the New Century Edition translation of Swedenborg's works. And we know that through that, you are doing this research that isn't happening really almost anywhere else. So we know you are our personal Swedenborg encyclopedia. So if you don't mind, we have some questions. No pressure. Great. (laughs) Do come in. (laughs) Okay, great. So we are exploring this idea of Bible characters the that the people correspond to parts of ourselves like their relationships their dynamics all that kind of stuff uh, which i'm sure is an idea that you are familiar with but 
what we don't know and are interested in is like how many historical people from the Bible did Swedenborg actually interact with in the afterlife? And, you know, what what did he learn about them or, you know, like when he when he actually did speak to them and just any 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 thoughts you might have on this on this interesting dynamic between, you know, him saying that the people in the word the, the meaning is that it symbolizes some sort of spiritual idea or quality. But then also he he got to meet some of these folks. So what were they like? Well, it's a very interesting question because he's kind of got two different jobs that he's trying to do here. They're all aiming in the same direction, but but he at the one you know, on the one hand, it's crucially important for him to convey the idea of personal, immediate, permanent survival of death. You know, mm-hmm. Like right. you as an individual are going to continue. It's not a reincarnation situation or whatever. It's 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 gonna be you and you're gonna have the you'll take with you your your personality and and things about your life, the things that you loved and the things that you understood. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that there won't be personal problems that you overcome and so on. But but it's a really key message that it's not about waiting for some eventual last judgment or rising up out of the grave or or something like that. Yeah. And so in that sense, he wants to convey that the biblical characters really were people and they really died and they're really in the other world and they're still the way that they used to be. Oh, right. I mean, that even connects to that whole idea of like his his perspective on angels, that angels aren't some separate, only spiritual, you know— race of beings or something, but they are people who died and are living in the afterlife. Yeah. Right, right. So he's got an incentive to say, oh, they're still there, and I, I, I met some of them, and I talked with them, and, and so on. Hmm. But at the same time, he's also very important to him is to present this idea of a spiritual meaning, as you were just talking about, if I heard you through the door correctly. Yes, down the hall. The... <laughs> the um, that idea that there's a meaning to these people, and so the people don't mean those people. I, I can't count the number of times in editing Secrets of Heaven that I've edited the phrase, I don't e- edit, I just leave it the way that it is. But, you know, right. he says again and again, oh, these kings are not kings. These cities are not cities. You know, these rivers are not rivers. <laughs> he just yes. says it again and again and again. That's not what that means. Um, so it, it's an interesting kind of double message that he's trying to get across. So uh, I think, first of all, the fact that in Heaven and Hell and other places, he says that he has talked with, in the other world, with virtually everyone he's ever known in his entire life, even just the the person at the checkout counter or whatever the 18th century equivalent was. Mm-hmm. And says, I've also talked with a lot of people in history and then if memory serves, he's got something like, I don't think it would be an exaggeration to talk about 250,000 or, or something like that. He's, he's got some large number mm. of people that he's interacted with. Uh, but he's often pretty careful about he, – he's not a big name dropper all the time. You know, right. often it's sort of anonymous, especially in the published theological works. He'll just say, I was talking with someone who, or someone I knew in, in in life who had passed on and that kind of thing. But he doesn't dish on the details. But he mm. does mention some people. I'm thinking particularly of a letter uh, 
that he wrote with the delightful date of 11 11 66. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, November 11th of 1766. Which, when was, Swedenborg was, uh, how old would he be? 78, I think? That's right. Great. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's been around a few years on this planet. And um, uh, he gets asked a question uh, by a German scholar, uh, basically to the effect of, Look, uh, I believe you, but but why don't you say in your works, listen, I talked to so-and-so, and I talked to so-and-so. Why don't name drop hmm. a little bit? He seemed almost frustrated about it. Why don't you talk? Have you talked to the apostles? Say so, you know? Interesting. And, and uh, this well, kind of thing. I want to I wanna interject here and say that I, I have blurred in my mind some of the references that Swedenborg says to... Um, you know, I've met so-and-so and I've talked to so-and-so because like when I've done my, you know, just spending time in Swedenborg's works, I can be, I feel like he's saying it all the time. But really, if I paid attention, that's probably predominantly in unpublished works, right? Like his ah. spiritual diary or spiritual experiences, whereas it's it's a, just an interesting nuance that you're bringing up. What does he publish about it in his published theological works versus what does he admit to having experienced in his spiritual experiences. So that's that's an interesting angle. Right. He does seem a little more selective. It's not that he never does it, because I'm thinking of the fact that he talks right. in other planets about having a conversation with Aristotle, and mm-hmm. he goes on at some length about that. He talks somewhere about meeting um, Cicero and having a conversation with him. Right. Uh, you know, ancient uh, philosophers and—, and um, uh, but. It, it's sparing, you know. So often it's anonymous. He he mentions uh, a pope, a Catholic pope that he interacted with in the spiritual world, and he doesn't say his name, but he says that he was. He gives you enough clues that you can figure out who it was. Yeah, kind of thing, you know, that sort of thing, huh. or that he was blind when he was in this world, and, and that kind of thing. Well, why do you do you figure out why? Why does he drop certain names and not other names? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. He he says that thing about Louis the Fourteenth, doesn't he? And going and talking to his grandson, who's on the throne of France at the time, and uh, so it's very yeah. selective. And I don't know why. I, I assume that there's just some sort of spiritual, yes, you can this time, and no, better not, or something. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what he's following, or it might be some rational consideration in his own mind. But you get a lot more dishing in the in the uh, spiritual experiences is unpublished yeah. journal of these experiences there you get lots of lots of names of even people that he was related to or connected with by marriage and and so on we've talked about a few of those in podcasts before yeah and he wasn't he was even sort of not dishing as much on his own spiritual experiences way early on I know that heaven and hell was a, a little right. bit a response to people saying, okay, well, just tell us about the afterlife instead of all this, what this show is about, the Bible, is characters, and you. What, what, what's it like after you die? So I wonder if he was initially trying not to oh, steal the headline from his own principles, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I think so. And, and uh, yeah, that, that's a very interesting thought. And so he says something that surprised me in this letter of 11, 11, 66, 
that um, in response to this question about has he spoken with the apostles, he says, um, I have spoken with Paul, the writer of the number of epistles in the New Testament, for a whole year. Mm. Now, that, that interested me a great deal because that's a long conversation, I would say, you know. Um, also concerning what he wrote in Romans 3.28. And then he has this little line of, I've spoken three times with John, once with Moses, a hundred times with Luther, but it just kind of skips over that, like blah, 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 blah. (laughs) But with angels, I've now spoken for 22 years and I'm speaking with them daily. These the Lord has adjoined to me. There was no need to mention this in my published books. Who would believe it? And who wouldn't say, give me a sign that I may believe? And this everyone would say, who doesn't see it. So that's interesting. Like see it is sort of like if you get it or you believe him, then you don't really need that kind of testimony. And others are just going to say, well, well, prove it. I mean, how do I know you did? Hmm. And so interesting that he kind of explains why he didn't do that. But in this letter, he does do it. It's shrewd. And yeah, I get it because I think he he has a little bit of a sense of optics and what's going to dominate the conversation and that probably the more of those people he put it, he seems to be expressing there that the more of this specific name dropping that I do, the more the whole, that's going to just yeah. spike the thing with a certain kind of energy that that's going to yes. be the headline. I, I'll give like a really um, relatively inert example, but there's a a video game trade show called E3, which has just happened, which is where all the big video game companies tell what they're doing next and sort of preview their next mm-hmm. projects. And there's my favorite company, which is called Nintendo. Uh, they they had d- displayed a bunch of games, but people thought they were about to unleash their new console and tell the world about this new hardware they were going to make. But I read this article that was saying they probably didn't do that because as soon as you announce the console, then all the conversation about those games becomes like, well, how are the games going to run on this new hardware? How many frames are they going to have per second? Rather than just people getting excited about the games for what's inside the games. So I wonder if the Swedenborg, he knows that the more I say I talked with Paul, that's what it's going to be about rather than about even the spiritual sense of the word or goodness and truth or that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I love that example. Like the, you know, Swedenborg saying, the Lord is just beaming love and wisdom down from the spiritual sun and the other world and bathing all the angels in this warmth and light and helping people go through their process in the world of spirits. Last time I was there, I bumped into Paul and everybody goes, Paul, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, and that's yes. not the most interesting thing I just said. Totally. And also, I forgot from your that great um, letter you had, the last thing you said, which there's all that stuff, as you as you rightly pointed out, he glosses over, he says, but the angels that I'm talking to, yes. I wonder if part of it as well is that, yeah, he met all those people, and he's just very aware that, that those people are, they're like relative nobodies compared to angels in terms of love and wisdom. Sure, they have earthly notoriety, but they're, they're all the good stuff I'm getting from these angels. And they no doubt had earthly names, but he doesn't name drop the... The angel, you know, uh, they're, they're angels. And that's the, the right. important thing is that he's talking with angels. Yeah. And I feel like it's just adding this layer of sort of a larger context of this topic that we're exploring is how hard it is or the work that Swedenborg had to put in to just get to people thinking about the Bible spiritually. 
Right. The, there's an interesting little twist on this, which is the person who was asking the question was Friedrich Christoph Oettinger, who was a... a um, name drop. <laughs> yeah, right. He was a German theologian and writer. He wrote 70 volumes. Um, wow. He lived in South... or ended up his life, at any rate, in southwestern Germany and um, was pretty high up through the Lutheran, in the Lutheran church there. He was in charge of a whole area. And and um, and so Lutheran and Swedenborg is an interesting kind of combination. And he has a particularly interesting take on Swedenborg, which is that of Swedenborg's sort of two messages, uh, the afterlife and the inner meaning of scripture. Yeah. He loves one and hates the other. It's really interesting. Huh. And he, um, and I don't think I'm exaggerating there. Yeah. He totally buys everything Swedenborg says about the spiritual world and loves it. He was the first person to translate Swedenborg's works into German, ended up translating six different works into wow. German. Oh, wow. Um, I had no idea. He went through, but he says that he detests <laughs> the scriptural exegesis, you know, (laughs) as a Lutheran minister, it's like, no, 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 no. He doesn't even say, at least I haven't read those letters for a while. He wrote a lot back and forth with Swedenborg. Hmm. And so it's very interesting that he's all in super fan writing to Swedenborg all the time on one part of what Swedenborg was trying to do and hated the other part. And so what he did was he went through Secrets of Heaven, which is all about Scripture, and cut out all the stuff about Scripture and just took the spiritual experiences from the beginnings and ends of the chapters wow. and published those, translated those into German and published them. And Okay. Um, that is amazing. I just, like, this Odinger is almost like a miniature version of what this whole topic is about because here he is in a letter saying, you know, uh, wanting Swedenborg to tell him, have you talked to these biblical characters in from the Bible? And so knowing that from you, Jonathan, that he doesn't want, he is not interested, he detests Swedenborg's biblical exegesis, but he loves the afterlife stuff. So here he is presenting Swedenborg with this predicament of exactly what this is, where it's like, I'm interested in the afterlife. So did you meet those celebrities from the Bible? And Swedenborg's like, you know, palming his forehead. <laughs> like, no, that's not <laughs> that's the right awesome. idea. You know, these are... It's so interesting, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, that's a great insight. I think that's right on the money that, that he he loves the all things spiritual. Um, and therefore, he wants to hear anything about these people in the spiritual world. And he takes the Bible literally and Swedenborg is just wrecking it by saying, well, it really means all the truths and goods right. of the church or something. Angels like, don't think no. about the names. They think about what no. they mean and everything. Stop it. You're you're ruining my thing. I, you know, I want to know all about that. Well, wait a second. So you uh, believe yeah. that I'm really talking to these biblical people, but you don't think I know anything about the Bible? Like I have some supernatural <laughs> powers, but I'm totally <laughs> clueless in these other areas? Oh, man. And seeing scripture from a spiritual perspective. How does it look from up there? He yes. doesn't want to hear it. 
It's and so even saying these angels I've been talking to for 22 years, this is how they read the Bible. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not telling right. you to do this. I'm just telling you how angels do it. You know, sort of that. That is so, so interesting. His response to Oettinger is like a master class. It, it, he, he does it in about yeah. three sentences, doesn't he? Yes, yes, right. Sure, it's I so... did, but, you know, not important. Yes, that's what it is, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we needed. Wow, and you had that letter, and I didn't know about that, and I didn't know so much about Odinger before, and uh, but that is so, that is just what we needed. So I think you have, you know, armed us well to continue our work on this topic, and Thanks, Jonathan. You're always there when we need you. It's always an enriching conversation. I learned so much from these exchanges. Thank you. Great. Well, I'm sure we'll be back. So keep the door locked if you don't want us barging in. <laughs> So here we are back in the off the left eye writing room. And if we were to make this topic into a show, uh, I wonder what it would be like. So I, let's let's just throw around some ideas or like what are some lingering thoughts you have about that exploration that we just went on? Yeah, you'd have to do some kind of broad survey to get the, the big concept to hatch in people's minds we have to be able to sort of look over the bible almost like you're, you're standing up on a mountain looking over the, all the different pieces of text and be able mm-hmm. to say okay here's a here's a just two lines about what this person means in you here's two lines about what this person means in you so you can start to picture it and, may, and then maybe like get a few examples of relationships like if it's joseph means this yes. and pharaoh means that why is pharaoh giving joseph control over this and it would pick like some really elegant ones where a, a sort of strange and uh, opaque story suddenly becomes this lucid tool for spiritual growth I've, yeah. I've felt that before. I bet we could get some people to, oh, yeah, there, there is something here. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, what's coming to my mind right now that is often an element we try to think about is like maybe share personal stories of the meaning that people have gotten out of certain stories in the Bible and, you know, to make it relatable. And what, one of those that even just is always on the forefront of my mind because it it has hooked me in that way is this the dynamic between this um, one of the kings of Judah, who was Hezekiah, and then like every king had their like right hand prophet, you know, like uh, and and then often a priest. So like you have a king and then a priest and a prophet, and those three things as like the elements of your mind kind of are really interesting to think about. So yeah. you have a uh, like Hezekiah as the king, he gets threatened by the king of Assyria, who is a certain part of yourself, and then. He uh, gets his priest to go to the prophet Isaiah and, you know, gets the pro and then the priest is this go between between the the prophet Isaiah and Hezekiah. And I anyway, I just think broadly it'd be interesting to get the details, but broadly it makes me think of how like my as of self self, you know, is kind of that king. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed or or threatened by something in my life, then like 
let me go go to the Lord, you know, go go to the word even, you know, like go and uh, lay it all out to to be open to some sort of wisdom or insight because the prophet always has, always sort of says maybe not what you're expecting or sometimes isn't the easiest thing to swallow, but is like spot on, you know? So anyway, it'd be cool to have that kind of a, you know, a personal element or make it, make it relatable for people. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Oh, the, the, that tri- triangle, that, um you know, personality triangle there. And mm-hmm. yeah, what's the prophet? The king's in charge. Uh, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And I don't know how this would fit in, but I ha- keep having this thought coming to my mind of like the people, if you were to go ask those people in the afterlife, uh, what do you correspond to in the Bible? You know, like they, it's not about them personally corresponding to a certain thing. It's just sort of the serve, like the role that they played or whatever, you know? So it's like to be able to really tease apart that, that it's not a personal thing. It's, it's that relational quality and how the story plays out and stuff. So because let's say Moses is up there doing things every day and that that's not part of the word. What he's doing now is not part of the word. Right. Right. Exactly. So, right. There was a time and a place and that's it. And we've got it. And so it's very interesting. Well, as usual, I feel like here we are, we're left with almost as many questions as we have answers or interesting pathways to potentially explore and but that's how it is even when we we do make a show. We always yes. after we make a show we're like, okay, well we know the next three shows we would want to make on this topic. Yes, I know. And so and that's part of the fun. Yeah, exactly. Is we uh even even resurrecting this topic in this podcast, there's so much that could be explored here. So you who are listening, if you'd want us to dig into this subject more or even make a full YouTube episode out of it, we'd love to know. And if that's the case, what part of this subject are you most interested in? So you can let us know either by just emailing us right at offthelefteye at gmail.com or tagging us at offthelefteye in either a Facebook post or on Twitter or Instagram, anywhere. We'll find it. If one of these topics that we explore get a lot of votes from people, then we we would be game for actually making this into an episode and fully producing it, which would be a lot of fun. So thank you so much, Curtis. This has been a great time. Oh, yeah. Let's let's do it again soon. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Inside Off the Left Eye. Our goal is to make each episode entertaining, informative, and inspiring. If you feel called to support the creation of our content, please go to offthelefteye.com slash donate to make a contribution. For how to bring this idea to life, consider where do you see yourself in the Bible? Or how might the king part of you call on the prophet part for spiritual perspective? Thank you so much for listening. I'm Chelsea Odner, and I look forward to being with you next time inside Off the Left Eye.